Life's Third Act is a podcast dedicated to helping you get the most out of your retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, attorney CPA Joe Cordell features guests each week to discuss prominent topics for those over 55. Here's attorney CPA Joe Cordell. Welcome to another episode of Life's Third Act. I'm flying solo today, so um, I want to be able to talk to you, though, about an issue that I think is important and is said too little. And it's fresh in my mind because I've recently been reading a little bit about the whole Nexium thing. Uh, those of you who don't know anything about this, uh, Nexium is is a company that was uh, started as an executive coaching company. Seemed innocent enough. Ultimately, it became a a cult, and there was a person who headed that by the name of Ranieri who ultimately went to prison and there was this whole scandal about sex slaves and all that and and just a, a lot of things in the news. And I was very I was very interested to hear this story in part because of some of the people who were associated with it. And uh, and and it calls to mind, you know, a lesson that I think many of us, you know, fail in the estate planning field to talk about enough. And that's the importance of uh, being sure to leave your money for your children in a way that may not actually lend to their getting in trouble. In other words, that is not only not helpful to them, but it becomes the the means by which, quite frankly, they often get into life problems, whether it's drugs, whether it's involvement in with people or investments or whatever it might be that, quite frankly, if they'd had no money, they would have been better off in these examples. So um, Nexium, I think about that as, as a cautionary tale because two of the people who were involved in it, Claire and Sarah Bronfman, uh, that's B-R-O-N-F-M-A-N, Bronfman. They were scions of a fortune that was generated from Seagram's. The found One of the founders of Seagram's, Samuel, I guess it was Samuel Bronfman. In any case, he was kind of the patriarch, he and his brothers. Uh, but he was the patriarch of this family. He had four children. One of those was named with Edgar. And Edgar had at least these two daughters. I don't know if he has more, but for per- for our purposes, there's Claire and Sarah. So they're the grandchildren of one of these patriarch founders of the Seagram's empire. In this case, it seems like the, the father was pretty conscientious. This is not a Paris Hilton story. This is not a story where these children were living kind of dissolute lives, you know, because money was just made, you know, available to them gratuitously and unendingly. That That's not this story. This story is actually where uh, when you hear them talk about these two girls who now, I guess, are probably 40, I'm guessing, uh, they got involved in Nexium in their later 20s, I think. Um, and it's not important for this, for my purpose here. But, but they were raised in an environment where their dad uh, did not display their wealth. Uh, they lived frugally is too strong a word, but they lived m- moderately. Uh, they did go to private schools, and and the the girls, Claire, I think in particular was, or Sarah was into horsemanship. She was uh, an equine competitor, 
so they they had disciplined lives growing up and were expected to be productive members of the community. But their father, Edgar, uh, did not have any control over the will that was created or the estate planning that was created by the patriarch grandfather, which was Samuel. So Samuel, I'm sure with the best of intentions, uh, had created a trust in which at the age of 18, these girls, in other words, adulthood, these girls would have a fortune turned over to them. Strong roots are essential for a healthy tree, especially your family tree. That's why you work hard to take care of your family every day. At Tucker Allen, we know that taking care of your family means planning for the future. Our team provides personalized estate planning to help you protect your family, your legacy, and your future. From wills and trusts to long-term care and estate planning, count on Tucker Allen. Personalized estate planning made simple. And it was this fortune that ended up counting for their involvement so much with Nexium. So you see the the line of causation between, on the one hand, a patriarch who intends nothing but good for his descendants and specifically provides for his grandchildren, but yet ultimately they, they suffered greatly over this. And one of them is in prison. Uh, I think it's Sarah that has been given um, several years in prison. So the point of this discussion is to call your attention to the, the, the all too often assumption that, look, I made money and, and it's good enough that I'm able to give it to the people I love and it's really up to them to manage it after that. Or to just unthinkingly say, gee, I have the best of intentions. Uh, I have money here. It's enough money to take care of my kids or my grandkids' lives, so I'm just going to leave it to them. And not to consider the fact that those kids may be receiving that money at a very young age, which is a problem. But I would argue that that receiving a large amount of money at any age for many kids is a problem, regardless and, and I think that many people just assume that they don't have the range of options that they have when they do their estate planning. I think uh, Elvis Presley, this infamous example that we've even talked about on this show before, uh, in which Maria receives, I think in her case, it was age 25, which you might say, well, gee, that's a lot better than 18, and it is. But still, it was an age at which she wasn't equipped to handle the amount of money that she gained access to, and it's pretty much went through the fortune. So I think that we need to recognize that you don't have to accept the notion that when somebody becomes an adult, you give them the money, or even the notion that there is a point at which you give them all the money in one fell swoop, or maybe perhaps you divide it into thirds. What I'm suggesting to you is that those of us who are not rich like that, like some of these examples that make their way into newspapers, the principles are there for us to glean, and they apply to 100, 200, 300,000, to some extent the way they do to 100 and 200 and 300 million, is that it's true that those bigger numbers can get you into more trouble faster. I'll grant you that. But I would also argue that uh, for a 25-year-old to get uh, say the two hundred thousand dollars that you left that particular child, or three hundred. Some of you are in a position, of course, to leave a million or two million. 
But uh, my point I want you to get is you don't have to be rich to to learn this lesson. And the lesson is that that often it makes sense to leave things to your children and grandchildren in a series of payments. You can make it such a better gift. Uh, there are so many benefits that come apart from apart from any assumption that your child or grandchild may have poor judgment. Let's assume they have very good judgment. As a matter of fact, let's assume that they have perfect judgment. And if they have perfect judgment, they will be saying to you, um, to the extent they have the opportunity, to say, look, I know you could give me this money in full when you pass, but if you don't mind, can you leave it in a trust where it's fully protected, protected from my creditors, protected from all the risks around me, such as divorce, you know, fraud, other things that might uh, occur, that this money will, would otherwise perhaps be gone. Maybe just a bad business investment at a time when it shouldn't have been made, when the person was perhaps too young. But irrespective of age, the point is really that when you, when you can give something to your children in a package that has the best of all worlds, meaning they still have access to it through another person. Remember, they cannot personally have legal authority. That's critical. But if you choose your trust well your, and you choose to describe your trust well and you choose your trustee well, then in a functional way, the money will be available to the to your beneficiary when they need it and when they want it but still it has to be legally true that they do not have control of that and and it would be technically true of course but but the 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 wonderfulness of that is that as a result of that that structure now they're insulated from what are the most common threats to our to our fortunes in this world we live in I mean, it's the it's these things around us, people who uh, are lurking to perhaps file lawsuits, which are all too common this day. To it could be a spouse in which a marriage goes bad, and suddenly half of the family fortune, such as it is, if the family fortune is three hundred thousand dollars, then you end up splitting it with somebody you probably don't like. The whole idea is that you can provide the best of all worlds to your loved ones. And, and they can't do it themselves. And that, that's the important thing for you to understand. It's not as if you can give them the 300000 they can decide, well, look, I'm going to go ahead and put it in a package like this myself where I'll have all those benefits. In the vast majority of states, well, look, first let me say in no states can they do that the way you can do it. And in vast majority of states, they can't do it at all. But there are a few that with, with a lot of of restrictions, you know, you can create a self-settled trust where you have money yourself and you say, boy, wouldn't that be great if I had the ability to be protected from my creditors and, and a spouse and all those things that might happen, lawsuits. So I'm going to create a trust to do that. Uh, I can tell you that in, in the majority of states, you absolutely cannot. And in the rest of states, it's very limited. It's very limited, the extent to which you can do that. Um, you, a spouse, you cannot simply ride out by creating a trust, period. So we take that off the table. And there are a number of creditors that we, you are not protected against if you're self-settled, meaning this is something you created. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, if you go out and create it yourself, then then somebody who has a legitimate claim against you can fairly say, look, that's a foul. This person you know, decides to, to take their fortune, set it inside this box, and now I can't get at it, but they're the ones who set it in the box. 
And that doesn't seem like fair play. And that's the reason there are so many restrictions on that, and the, and the majority of states don't permit it. Now, now is, does it seem unfair to you if instead that person receives a gift from another person and that gift has these conditions attached to it? So it's in this box, but you know, your grandson, for example, did not place it in that box, or your son did not place it in that box. You did. So the law will absolutely protect that whenever it's something that you yourself or your child didn't create for the child, uh, but instead is something that was created by you. So that's the reason I'm telling you that you have a wonderful opportunity when you're doing your estate planning. If, if your estate's going to be a million dollars and you have three kids, for example, that's a lot of money. And especially if, if you, know, you don't know how many kids will actually survive you, you don't know uh, how that would be passed along to grandchildren. So you don't know the size of that money. If if your children decide to take one-third of a million dollars, say $333,000, and they decide to leave it in the trust and let it accumulate, because there will be that option, one of the many, many advantages to your deciding to create a trust that it's called a spendthrift trust. And that's a bad name because it suggests your child has problems. And that's not it at all. It The, the spendthrift is simply giving all these protections I mentioned and, and it places a trustee in charge so that your son can lawfully have this protection. And still, you can set it up to where your son or daughter is going to have access to the funds when they need them. So the whole idea is less about protecting your son from themselves, although that is an important point, and that's what we started with, but it really protects your son from others or daughter again. Anyway, so what, what you, you can do is you can create this trust and word it in such a way to where you, you can accomplish this goal. And that's the marvelous thing about creating a spendthrift trust. So when, if you hear the, the word spendthrift trust, don't think of, oh, I don't have a kid who's dissolute or, or has you know, gambling problems or whatever. But, but you've got to create that as part of your estate planning. Now, incidentally, you don't have to create it in a trust that's in effect during your lifetime. You can do this in your will. It's called a testamentary trust. So it doesn't mean that you create a trust in addition to your will, although it is a testamentary trust and it appears in your will. But, but I'm suggesting to you instead that you create a trust during your lifetime, a living trust, and that you go ahead and create the rules then. And then you, then you don't have probate involved in transmitting your assets from you to your kids and then to your grandkids. Instead, you you take the court out of the uh, event, series of events when you pass away, and instead you have the trustee who simply dis- no longer has you as the beneficiary because you're gone, and now you know just redirects their attention to the next level of beneficiaries. And then when they as they pass away, then the trustee directs his or her attention to the next level of beneficiaries. So you can have a trust go. For a long time, they're called dynasty trusts, and most states permit it now, but multiple generations, but certainly easily two generations. The point, though, is to be able to give this gift, which is so valuable to your loved ones. It takes what was otherwise merely a $150,000 gift, for example, to a son and turns it into something that's much more valuable. I don't know how to put a number on it, but it's more valuable if you think about all the things I just said. So which would you rather have? Would you rather have the 150 dumped in your account right now and, and it lacks all the protections that I just described? Or would you rather be able to have the 150 in this safe deposit box that it turns out that you know there are pretty liberal rules? 
So you can get at it within reason as you need it. And meanwhile, if anything goes south, whatever that might be in your life, that money's protected. Uh, it's a marvelous thing. And you can't do it yourself. I, I want to emphasize that. You, you can't create this thing for yourself. You can only create it for your loved ones. And I'm, I'm, I know I'm talking to people who probably, for the most part, may have less than $5 million in assets. Some of you have less than a $1 million in assets. But my, my point applies to all of you. Now, granted, if we're talking about somebody with less than $100,000 and you have three kids, I mean, it, it, I get it. We, this this conversation is probably not very relevant to you. But, but I know from, from having talked to many of you, I know that many of you with your retirement assets, your life insurance, other things, you're going to leave this world, the substantial majority of you north of 500,000 assets, and some of you will have one child. So you're giving $500,000 or a million dollars to one child, maybe two. And I'm suggesting to you that think about giving them something much better than simply dumping it on them. Now, remember, the, the reasons I started out this discussion as I wrap up here, the reason I started out was the the damage that can result from money going to kids when they're younger. And and I I don't want you to forget that because you you probably, certainly if you go to the trouble to create a trust for your kids, you should go ahead and have it stay in effect for their kids so that they don't have to pull it out and deal with taxes and everything else they would otherwise have to. I can tell you from experience, what often happens is the kids will not pull it out. They'll decide to leave it in for the grandkids and let them have that same gift, and they don't have to pull it out and deal with all the transaction costs associated with that, with including, including typically taxes. So instead, they can just leave it alone and let it pass on. So, uh, but, but still, you want to put in those provisions, and, and those provisions may end up applying to your grandchild. So uh, it's just a terrible thing if some, uh, somewhere along the way, and maybe San, Samuel Bronfman just never thought about it. Maybe he thought the money would be spent by his children and it never would make it to the grandchildren. It may be that if I read the trust, the trust might be where he set aside a specific amount for his grandchildren. Either way, but especially in the latter situation, it might be that 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 his lawyers just didn't tell him that, look, to have this money go to them when they become adults. Because you know if you had set down somebody who is as shrewd as, as Samuel Bronfman must have been and said, what do you think about giving a fortune to your 18-year-old grandkids? I mean, I know that he would have recoiled from that. I mean, he would have known that that was a bad idea. And just as you know, it's a bad idea. I'm, I'm pretty confident no one asked him that, that question, that the lawyers failed to, to say, you need to consider this. But anyway, I, this is less about that particular family or incident than it is about how often we read about these things and the fact that they just, you don't have to have $100 million for this to happen. You can have a million dollars or 500000 it can happen. Um, and those are some of the saddest cases, quite frankly. So with that, I guess I'll wrap this up. This has been fairly short and sweet. Uh, till next time, this has been another episode of Life's Third Act. Take care. You've been listening to Life's Third Act, a podcast for thriving in retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, your estate and elder law advisors. 
Each week, we discuss topics and answer questions to help you better plan for your future. For more information, visit TuckerAllen.com. Subscribe and listen again next week for another edition of Life's Third Act. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements.